If you have Bibles with you, you can turn to James chapter 4. I almost said 14. There's not a 14th chapter in James. James chapter 4, we're in verses 13 through 17 today. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles in the back in our lobby. They're blue hardcover. We'd love for you to take that home. If you just want to fall on your phone, you can do that, or it'll be on the screen as well. Um, the older I get, the, the more I come to uh, grip with just realities about myself. And I don't even mean like my body slowing down. I think I'm still denying all that. But um, other things about kind of my, my traits and faults. And uh, one, one, one thing I'm, I'm realizing is I'm, I am forgetful. Um, and uh, like all, I wander around the church, like on the phone or praying or doing something. I'll set my coffee mug down. And then like 20, 30 minutes later, <laughs> 20, 30 minutes later, Alyssa sees me or Matt. Like, what, what are you looking for? My coffee mug. Oh, you left it out there in the hall. Like, knows right where it is. Or uh, my wife, right? I'll, I'll be going downstairs for something. I don't know, a glass of water. And she'll say, oh, are you going downstairs? Yep. Uh, could you get my, I don't know, something, my, my phone for me? Oh, yeah. I go down. Maybe I remember to grab my glass of water. There's no chance I'm remembering to grab her phone. I come up and she's like, where's my phone? I'm like, oh my goodness, 22 years I've been doing this, right? Uh, um, my wife got, uh, she was driving an 06 uh, van for a while. It was, it, was getting, it was getting old and it was time to, to get a new car for her. And I know push button starts have been out like a long time, but we'd, I'd never seen one before. And the key they make for those is just huge. It's honking. It drives me a little crazy, right? Like I don't, I don't like to have it on my key ring because it's so big. So I had it detached. I don't drive a car much, so I just put it in uh, this one very specific drawer. And then... Uh, she wanted me to drive, and I go, and I, I can't find the key. I'm like, oh, crud. I'm like, oh, hey, babe, can I borrow your key? Why? Oh, no reason. Um, and, and, and then finally it comes out that I don't know where the key is, and there's this whole, I won't call it an argument, but like a disagreement. Like, you've lost your key. No, it's in the house somewhere, so it can't be lost. If it's in our, we own this place. So I, it's still, we have it. And, and then after months, after months, finally, I'm like, okay, let's, we need to go order a key. And um, fortunately, it was like covered in, in the package we bought for our car. But uh, I don't know if I've actually ever admitted that it's lost, but Lindsay, it is lost. Um, one of my favorite, like I'd say, luxury items in life is prescription sunglasses. Like it, I, I love, I, I think I'm pretty sensitive to light. So I, I throw on sunglasses before a lot of people. And for years I was just way too cheap to buy prescription sunglasses. And then finally I started getting prescription sunglasses. And when you get a new pair of prescription sunglasses and you put it on, it's like, man, I'm seeing an HD in the sun and it's awesome. So July 8th this year, I got a new pair of prescription sunglasses and I was so excited about them. And then we went on this uh, little vacation with like all my wife's family, like all the cousins running around and I'm looking at my sunglasses as, as I'm packing and I think, man, I don't wanna scratch these. I don't wanna break these. I don't wanna lose these. I'm not bringing them. So I resisted. I didn't bring them up to vacation, right? We come back a couple weeks later. We got to go to Hawaii. Someone gifted us like their condo in Hawaii and we had airline miles. So we went to Hawaii and again, I'm like, oh, I don't wanna break my glasses. I don't wanna lose my glasses. So I don't bring them. Therefore, I don't lose them, right? Then somehow I thought, oh, road trip to go drop off our son to college. What could go wrong? <laughs> and I... I brought my glasses with me 
And every hotel we went to, like I made sure I had my glasses, right? In and out of the rental car, like we're doing great. And then we get to the last day and emotions are high. We're about to say goodbye to our firstborn and we're, we're hanging out on campus as long as we can. And then it's like, man, we gotta go. We're gonna battle traffic to cross, get across town in Denver. And it, it's gonna be kind of crazy there. We get to the, the rental place, drop off the car. We gotta hop on a, a shuttle just to get to the tram, to get to the airport, so it's a little chaotic. 24 hours later, I realized I don't know where my glasses are. I'm like, no, I'm so bummed out, so sad. So I, I fill out all the forms for the rental car, for the airport, for the airline. I call the hotel. I'm like, oh, I, I lost these glasses. Hotel says, we'll call you back in a couple days. Like our, our head of housekeeping, we don't see him here, but we'll call you back in a couple days. Well, two weeks go by. I continue to get emails from everyone else saying, we haven't found your glasses, but trust us, we're looking really hard for them. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> so I call up the hotel and I say, hey, a few weeks ago, we, we left August 24th. I think I might've left my sunglasses there. And she goes, oh, were they the sunglasses in a black case? Yes, yes, they were. She said, were they the gray kind of translucent ones with the, the mirrored lenses? I'm walking around my, 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 uh, my kitchen island like hands raised. I'm so excited. And she goes, we didn't find those. <laughs> I was so bummed out. <laughs> I'm still pretty bummed out. So I'm forgetful. Um, but, but there's a forgetfulness that's way worse than, than losing your sunglasses, losing you know, a stupid, expensive car key. I mean, it, it's, it's one that forgets God. So let's, let's jump into our passage here. I'll read it for you. James 4.13. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we'll go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then it vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Now, James isn't railing against planning here, right? There's, uh, planning is, is biblical. I could go to a ton of places, but I'm just going to take you to, to two places in Proverbs. Uh, Proverbs 21, uh, 5 says, the plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty, right? There's wisdom in, in planning in life. Proverbs 15, 22, without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. So there, there's nothing wrong with planning, but there's a type of planning. There's a way of planning that forgets God, and that is a problem. He says in verse 13, right, he's, he's calling out some Christians that, that say, hey, we've got these plans. Today, tomorrow, we're going to take off. We're going to go to that city over there. We're going to be there for about a year, right? We've, we've got to plan how we're going to make money. We're going we're gonna to trade, and it will be successful. We are going to make a profit. But then you look at verse 15. James says, no, this is how you should say it, right? But not, not just how you say it. Like this, this is the mindset. This is the approach to life for the believer, right? This is how we're to think about everyday life, including like our future plans that we make, right? It's a mindset that is submitted to Yahweh. He says, instead, we should say it this way. If the Lord wills, we'll, we will live. We'll do this or we'll do that. 
right? James takes issue with how uh, believers are living. They, they live their lives, they make plans with, with no thought of God. Or, or at best, God is this afterthought to them. Remember uh, the Apostle Paul, as we went through the book of Acts, man, he, he was a guy that made plans, um, but he wasn't coming up with these plans all on his own for the missionary journeys, right? He, he was with others in the church. They were praying. They were seeking the Lord to guide his steps, right? And, and he, had, he had strategies. He had ways that he clearly uh, thought uh, were, were a good way to approach different cities and different types uh, of people. But all of these plans were submitted to the Lord, right? We see him all throughout dependent on the Holy Spirit to guide him. In Acts 18, 21, he's saying goodbye to some friends. And it says, but on taking leave of them, he said, I will return to you if God wills. And then he sets sail for uh, Ephesus. In 1 Corinthians 4, 19, he says, but I will come to you soon if the Lord wills. There's been this theme in James that, that is uh, it's pretty strong. It's living wisely, right? James is really concerned that as believers, we are living in wisdom. And he breaks down back in chapter two, there's, there's two types of wisdom. There's earthly wisdom, and, and then there's the wisdom that, that, that we should want, right? Heavenly wisdom, this wisdom from above. Throughout scripture, um, you probably remember that this is said, that the fear of the Lord is, is what? It's the beginning of wisdom, right? And there's so much we could talk about the fear of the Lord. I think there's so many misconceptions about what the fear of the Lord is, but, but I want to I wanna really just simplify it for the sake of, of, of this message. It's, it's understanding who God is, like, like having a right understanding, a biblical view of who God is. And when we get a, even just a glimpse of who God is, who Yahweh is, it changes everything for us, or it should, right? When we, when we see who God is, it puts us in our place, we're humbled, right? So we, we realize those areas in life where we might tend to get a little uh, puffed up, a, a little proud about how great we are, that we're so skilled at this, we can do this thing or that thing. No, wise living doesn't forget who God is in anything we do and acknowledges who God is and we submit everything that we are to God. So James, he's writing to Christians, Right, like as uh, the psalmist says in Psalm 34, they've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. They've tasted and seen who God is. So they should know. They should know better than how they are living, but they're living as if God isn't real. And I wonder if you ever do that. Do I ever do that? Do we ever live functionally as atheists? And I'm sure if we could go back and interview like some of the original readers of James' letter, if we could ask them, hey, do you believe in God? Oh, yes, I believe in God. Do you believe in Jesus? Have, have you put your faith in him? Yes. Right? Do you believe that he died on the cross, that he rose on the third day, that he's ascended to be with the Father, that he's going to turn? Yes, 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 yes. Well, then what's the problem? Well, they're going through life without regard to God. Right? And we see it, they're making plans on their own, total autonomy. And that's our default mode, right? We want to be autonomous. So we're gonna go to this place, we're gonna stay for so long, we're gonna do this thing, it's going to be successful. And I don't actually think that this example that James gives matters, right? It's not like he's anti-small business, right? There could be, uh, he could have given an example of, uh, I'm gonna go to this trade school or I'm gonna go to, to this university. I'm gonna study this thing and then I'm gonna have this job or, or I'm gonna date this person. 
and this is, this is what, what's going to happen, or, or we're going to have this many kids, or I'm going to change, change jobs or careers, or, or I'm going to retire, and we're going to travel this much. Like, whatever it is, if, if God isn't even a factor, then there's a problem. Right? We're really good at paying lip service towards God, but so often it is nothing more than that. Right? Maybe we pray this after we've made our plans, Lord, would you, would you bless this? And we've all done that. And throughout the history of God's people, this has been our habit, and I lump us in with Israel. There are a lot of places, even just in Deuteronomy, that we could go. But in Deuteronomy 8.14, Moses, he's warning the people, right? He's warning Israel. He's telling them, man, God's, God's going to take care of you, right? You're going to have a home. You're going to have crops. You're going to have vineyards. You're going to have, you're going to have kids. And he says, then your heart be lifted up, and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Man, Moses knew what would happen, right? He understood not just people, uh, under his people, the Israelites, but, but I think he, he knew human hearts. He knew human minds that we forget. So Moses says to them, man, do not forget what you've seen with your own two eyes, right? Remember what it was like to be a slave in Egypt, how you were mistreated. Don't, don't romanticize your time in Egypt as the good old days. And that's exactly what they would do, Right? They, they talk about, oh, remember how good it was to eat all the melons that we wanted and all the meat that we had. No, Moses, like you were, you were slaves. Right? You were mistreated. And remember, remember what that was like. Remember what it was like to be delivered by the mighty hand of God. Remember all the miracles that God did. Remember the, the plagues that came upon Pharaoh and the Egyptians and how we were protected as God's people. Right? Remember how Pharaoh hardened his heart and he wouldn't let us go. And, and then finally, just like God said it would happen, they, they, they kicked us out. They asked us to leave and they were giving us their, their gold and their silver. Like God said, it was, it was like we were robbing them, but they weren't. They just wanted us out of there. So they gave us their stuff and, and, and we took off. Right? We were on foot. Right, we were, Grandma was there. Grandpa was there. Our kids were there. We, we weren't moving fast, but, but we were on our way out and God was leading us. But then remember Pharaoh, man, he changed his mind. He said, what have I done? And he sent the chariots after us. And, and, and miles before we could even see them, we could feel the ground rumbling. Like, remember, we're, we're on our way. We're trying to go as fast as we could, but there's no way. There's no way we could outrun those chariots. And then we came upon the Red Sea. And, and remember what that felt like. Like, God, what have you done? Why, did you just lead us here for us to die? We were hopeless without God. And then remember what God did. God parted the Red Sea, right? And, and, and we were going through as fast as we could, but, but I couldn't help myself. Like I'm looking at the walls of water on each side and we're seeing the fish swim. And somehow, remember, the, the ground was dry. The seafloor was dry for us so that we could pass through. We got through, the chariots were coming after us and then the water crashed on them and swept them away. Remember God's delivery. God saved us. Right? Don't forget, Moses says, what you've seen God do, but they forgot. And we forget too. We're quick to forget. I don't know if you remember, if you are a Christian, if you remember when you first came to faith in Jesus, right? if you can remember that suddenly for the first time, like you, you could really see God for who he is, or at least better than you ever had before, 
right? And, and, and because of that, you saw your desperate need for him. You, you saw God, you recognize how holy he is, right? You, you recognize his love, his compassion, his wisdom, his power. And, and when, when you first come to Jesus, my guess is for, for all of us, or, or at least most of us, it, it was probably the same. There's this, there's this question, man, God's so good. Like, will he even take me? Will he even accept me? Because I'm so broken, right? I, I just keep running after broken, sinful things. I know my life is an offense to God. Will he really give me the grace that the gospel speaks of? Like, yes, I know Jesus is full of grace and mercy, but I'm so rotten. And we throw ourselves at Jesus' feet. We receive him and we find out, yes, man, the gospel is as good as promised. He has great love for us, great compassion for us. And we live in that grace. Like you remember what it was like to first come to know and trust Jesus. But then something happens to every believer I've ever met over time. And it's really slow, so slow that it isn't even perceptible, but we get used to being lavished in his grace and his love. And we take his love, we take forgiveness for granted. And what, what we tend to do, what I do is I live less and less dependent on him. I, I, I forget him. So in Deuteronomy 8, right, God blesses the people. Life is going well, so well that they forget God. This is what we are all prone to do. We forget the one who is the very source of our life. And this is a problem. It's a problem for us and it's a problem for God. And I don't mean a problem that he is not able to overcome. I mean, in the sense that God doesn't take being forgotten as a, as a small thing, right? Forgetting God is a serious offense. Job 8.13 says, such are the paths of all who forget God. The hope of the godless shall perish. Right? We've, we've all been forgotten. Like we, we know what it is like to be forgotten, right? And we've also all forgotten people, right? Maybe, maybe you've forgotten to invite like a friend that, that should have been at, at this birthday party or some gathering, some celebration at your place. Or, or, or maybe, maybe you started a group message and you're messaging all these friends and you forgot that one friend totally on accident and they find out, and man, that hurts. Like being forgotten can hurt really, really deeply. I served at a, a middle school camp for years and years and years called Dunes Bible Camp. And for one week, we came in and, and we put on uh, a, a camp for like, it, some years it was two or 300 middle schoolers. Like it was, it was a really, really good time. And uh, it, it was uh, volunteers from churches all over the place. So we had to get all the, the adults, the staff together uh, the day before. We had like 24 hours to, to kind of set up camp, do some training, make sure we're all on the same page. And, and over the years, I got to know some people that this is the only week that I'd see them in the whole year. Um, but, but I knew them, right? I knew their name. I knew some things about them. And, and one year in particular, I see this, uh, this young woman that we'd been, we'd been at Dunes, uh, you know, every summer for the last like three summers together, maybe more than that. And I see her genuinely excited to say hi to her. I'm like, how, oh man, how was your, how was the last year? And we're talking, I'm like, Melissa, it is so good to see you. And, and she was smiling when I started the conversation and then her face like got angry and, and, and she had a scowl on her face. She said, she said, Greg Goostry, and that's the moment I knew I was in trouble. Greg Goostry, I can't believe you forgot my name. And I'm just going, no, Lord, why did I do that? I was so sure. And, and she's just, she's getting louder and louder. There are people around. It was a little awkward. And I'm just feeling smaller and smaller. And, and then she ends with, I can't believe you forgot my name is Melissa. 
that's what I said. And she's like, she was embarrassed. <laughs> she's like, oh my goodness. And she went on as if nothing had happened. She thought I said some other name. And I totally had said Melissa to her, but man, it hurts to be forgotten, right? Like we've all been forgotten. And God is not pleased with our forgetting of him. The great preacher Charles Spurgeon back in 1876 in a sermon, he said this, he said, God is mindful of man and it grieves him that man is not mindful of him. James calls our, our forgetfulness, this going through life, making plans without God. He says, he says you boast. It, it, it's arrogant, right? He says, he says it's evil. All such boasting is evil, he says in verse 16. And at first pass, we might look at this and go, evil? Like that, that seems a little extreme, but, but God agrees with James. Look at Judges 3.7. It says, and the, the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. They forgot the Lord their God, and they served these idols. They served the Baals. They served the Asherah. We forget, and we replace God with some sort of knockoff, right? And yeah, it's not, it's not this idol carved of stone or wood, right? Our 21st century idols are a, a little bit shinier, a little bit flashier than that, but, but we give our attention and our worship to other things. Jeremiah 2.32 uh, it says, can a virgin forget her ornaments or a bride her attire? Yet my people have forgotten me. I, I got to officiate three weddings this summer. I, I love officiating weddings. Someone asked me, like, how many, how many weddings do you think you've officiated? And I, I'm, I'm confident it's more than 20, but I think it might be less than 30. So I've seen, I've seen a few things at weddings. I could share stories that I, that I won't share. One time, actually, I'll share this, uh, doing a rehearsal. And, uh, and I, 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 know, I know the groom. I don't know the bride. I, I know the groom's family-ish, and uh, we do the rehearsal, we run through everything, and I always just think, hey, let's, let's run it back one more time, because, man, groomsmen especially, they're not really paying attention. Like, we got to give them some reps here. It's true. There's, that is not sexist. That's reality. Um, so I'm like, let's run it back. So everyone goes down. It's kind of a long aisle, and, and I'm, I'm adjusting some things in my notes. Get ready. And then I'm like, where are they? And I look up, and the two moms are almost in a physical altercation. Like, it was crazy. That has nothing to do with this. But um, so, so I've seen things at weddings. It does have something to do with it. I've seen things at weddings. Here's something I've never seen. I've never seen the bride forget to wear the wedding gown. I've never seen her forget to do her makeup or her hair or, or wear like that necklace that, that, that came from great-great-grandma. Like they're, they're excited for this. They don't forget because it means something to them. They've been thinking about this day. They're, they're ready for their husband. Man, we forget God all the time. And I think we've got to ask ourselves the question, is it because he's not really that important to us? If we're honest, if I'm honest, man, there are rivals to God for my attention, for my affections. And we would never say that this or that is more important to us than Jesus. But our actions and sometimes our words are more like verse 13, right? We don't, we don't even mention God because really we've kind of forgotten about him. Isaiah 51, 12, God says, I I am he who comforts you. Who are you that you are afraid of man who dies, of the son of man who is made like grass and have forgotten the Lord, your maker, who stretched out the heavens, laid the foundations of the earth. You fear continually all the day because of the wrath of the oppressor when he sets himself to destroy. And where's the wrath of the oppressor? Man, we forget God. We worry about things of this world. We let things of this world steal our attention away from God. 
right? I, I, I relate to verse 13. I mean, I know, I know probably more often actually than I recognize, I have made plans and have forgotten God. And I've shared this before. I've made big plans, right? One, one time it was selling and buying a, a new house. And, and I, I, we were like almost to the closing date. And I realized, I don't know if I have once sincerely talk to the Lord about this. I'm sure Lindsay was. I'm, I'm sure like as we were praying together, I was probably going through the motions, but, but I, I was convicted. I hadn't really, really asked the Lord to, to guide uh, our steps. And when we, uh, when, we don't, um, when we don't submit to the Lord, not only functionally living as atheists, but I actually think it's worse than that. I think that we're living as if we are God. Right? And, and we would never say that, but we fool ourselves into thinking that we're in control. Uh, I fool myself into thinking, I know what I'm doing. I'm pretty smart. Like I've learned these things uh, along the way. But look at verse 14. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. Right? What is your life? He says, you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. James, uh, he, he's that friend that he really cares about you, but he's not, he's not too into your feelings. Right? He calls you a vapor, not even a fog. Like fog can hang around for hours. He calls you a vapor. The, the, yeah, your life is like you're here for a moment. There's some form to you and then you're gone, right? A, a vapor is, is very temporary. Uh, I learned this this week that uh, when an Eastern emperor was crowned at Constantinople, uh, they, they would bring before him the royal mason, and he would have all these, uh, these marble slabs that he'd set before the new emperor. And on that day, um, he was to choose on the spot the slab that would be his tombstone. Right? They, they thought it was important that on the day of his elevation that he needed to remember his end, right? that, that his life would end, his rule would have an end. Verse 15 says, if the Lord wills, we'll live, we'll do this or that. I just want to point out two things about what he says here, if the Lord wills, like two, two areas that we forget about God. He, he says, if the Lord wills, we will live. Right? God holds everything, including our very life. Our, our breath is in his hands. You will not breathe one more breath than, than he is determined. You will not breathe one less breath than he is determined. And so this mist that is our lives, man, God is the one that sustains it. Right? He's the one that holds us together. And the second thing that will do this or that, man, our successes are in God's hands. Right? Anything that you are good at, it's because God made you that way. And I see the thought bubble. They're like, no, I worked really hard. Well, yeah, you did. And God's, God's the one that gave you the ability to, to work really hard, right? He's the one that, that grew you in the fortitude to stick with it. He's the one that, that gave you the mental capacity, the capabilities to learn, right? He's the one that put people in your life that, that just at the right moment, this mentor said the thing that you needed to hear. Yeah, that's because God did that. So verse 15 remembers who God is and who we are. And verse 13 forgets and thinks that we're this, this good substitute, we know uh, biblically that we're created in the, the imago Dei, meaning the image of God. But because of the fall, that's marred, that, that's broken. But it's marred in a really interesting way. Theologians point out that, that we want to be like God, but not in the ways that, that we can be like God, right? Because in Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, right, he grows us, right, in, in, in being more loving like God. It grows us in our righteousness and our holiness and so on and so forth. But our sin nature really isn't interested in those characteristics, right? We want the omnis, right? We want, we want the omnipotence. We want, we, want, we want all this power. 
And we want to be omniscient, right? We, we live as if we know so much, right? We, we want his self-existence, right? We don't want, we want anyone or anything to be needed in our lives to go on. So we fool ourselves into thinking, ah, I'm pretty smart. I've got, I've got this, this area of life, I got this down. I know what I'm doing, right? Or I can control this and that, right? If I wanna go to this place for such and such a time, man, I've got this idea and it's proven, it will work. I know I can make it. Our hearts and our minds get so easily puffed up with pride. Right? And even if you're not a planner, man, we think that we know more about what will happen, that we have more power and control over our lives, right? James says, you don't know what today holds. We think we do, right? In about 33 minutes, I think the service is gonna be done, hopefully on time-ish, right? Um, I'm probably gonna talk to some people afterwards. My guess is I'm gonna pray with some people. And then when pretty much everyone's gone, I'm gonna pack up my stuff, I'm gonna go home, I'm gonna come through the door. All my kids are gonna drop what they're doing. Say, dad, we love you. We're so blessed by your presence. No, that's not gonna happen. My 11 year old's already gonna be on the couch, right? Well into a football game. I'm gonna say something to him. He's gonna kind of grunt at me, but not use an actual word. Uh, Everyone will either have already eaten or mostly have eaten. I'm gonna go change into a a t-shirt and shorts, probably throw a hat on. I'll eat some lunch. My plan today is I got to give my dog a bath and a haircut. Um, That's my plan. I don't really know what's going to happen, right? I don't know if my truck, it will make it home. It it should. If I'm honest though, like, I don't know if my life's going to continue through the rest of this day, right? We have the power to end life. We don't have the power to keep it going. We easily fool ourselves into thinking that we have more power and control over life than we do. But James is right. We think we know, but we don't. God's the only one that knows. God gives us everything that we have. And so James says, live lives recognizing God. Remember him. Do not forget. Submit everything in your life to him, your hopes, your dreams, your plans. James doesn't tell us that we need to speak these magical words if the Lord wills, right? Some, you've met the Christian that it, that it seems like maybe they think that it's this magic saying that will help them. No, like I don't have to say as, as a listener, I plan things this week, like, yeah, set up that meeting for three o'clock if the Lord wills, right? I, I, when I go to Chipotle and order, like I don't have to say, yes, I'll have the barbacoa salad if the Lord wills. Like we, we, don't, have to, we don't have to say this phrase, but James is telling us live lives that are God's. Live lives that are submitted to God. Your ambitions, your dreams, your hopes, submit everything to his will. So what areas of your life have little or, or maybe even nothing to do with God? Where have we not even considered asking God to direct our steps? Where have we not offered ourselves to the Lord? Where have I not said, Lord, your will be done? Uh, Augustine uh, said this quote, and and Christians often shorten it. Uh, He he said, love God and do whatever you please is is, is what we tend to shrink it down to. But it goes on, it says, for the soul trained in in love to God will do nothing to offend the one who is beloved, right? So when he says, do whatever you please, he's like, because a Christian will offer himself or herself to God. They're not gonna do something that that is against God. But, But Christians have shortened that to love God and do whatever you please. And then I heard someone say this, not only have Christians shortened it, but we've, we've actually changed it 
to do as you please and say that you love God. Verse 17 is, is really interesting. I, I've, I've always been tempted to think like, man, this is kind of a weird verse that James just kind of crams in. It seems like a, a one-off, right? That James is just throwing in this random command for us. Um, but the word at, at the beginning of 17 tells us, no, this is connected, the, the so, right? It, it, in 16, it says, you boast in your arrogance, all, all boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him, it is sin. And yes, there is, uh, there's a, a general way that, that not doing what we know is, and ignoring it is sin. But, but this is connected to the verses before it, right? That, that um, uh, James is saying very specifically, our, our, our living as if God doesn't matter, right? Our, our forgetting who he is and what he's done. Not living in light of uh, the, the death of Jesus on the cross for our sin, living as if we are God and we are in control, man, not doing what we know that he is, is telling us to do, that is a sin. Is there anything, is there something specific that, that you've been feeling God has been pushing you to? Is there something that he's been leading you to do that, that you've been putting off or even trying to ignore? Or is God calling you to go somewhere or to, to serve in some way, perhaps, that you have been resisting? Is there something that he's convicting you of and you know the right thing to do, but, but you've not submitted it to God? Let me end with, with this, God's great love for us. Isaiah 49, 15 says, Can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Right? Even these may forget, right? The, the pictures here, is a woman going to forget the, the child that, 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 is, that is eating from her, right? That she is nursing. He says, maybe, right? Maybe, maybe that, that can happen. Verse 16, uh, he says, yet I will not forget you at the end of 15. Behold, I've engraven you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me, days without number. God does not forget us, even though we forget him all the time. Right? We're engraven on the palms of his hands. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we, we love you. We confess, I confess, Lord, how often I live without regard to you. I forget what you have done. Not, not just what I've read about in scripture and I know is true, but even the things you've done in my life, I'm, I'm so quick to forget. Lord, we do not want to forget you in any way, Lord. And yet we realize that like Israel, that's what we're prone to do. Jesus, would we be a people that by the power of your spirit, we would just continuously submit ourselves to you. Would we live lives that really are for you, Lord, that are about your kingdom and your glory, God. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.